Lord, you are the precious lamb of God. We read in Exodus of the Passover lamb that was chosen. And your chosen people were told to put the blood on the doorposts to protect the firstborn son, the firstborn male. And if the people in Egypt would have just listened and believed and applied the blood, uh, the, the death angel, when it passed over the land, uh, if the blood was applied, they would have been protected. But sadly, Lord, they didn't believe. And it was a picture of the cross and how Jesus shed his blood on the cross, the perfect lamb of God, and that if we believed in Christ as our Lord and Savior and applied the blood in our lives, if we trusted Christ and said, I believe that you shed your blood on that cross for the forgiveness of my sins, because your word tells us whosoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. precious Lamb of God that we just sang about. Thank you for that. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for a time that we gather together to worship you. Help us to hear your voice, O Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This week we are looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and um, this is probably one of the most uh, or the best known chapters in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You're going to know it when I start reading it, um, and you may even know what it is right now. You may have some of it memorized. Um, the problem a lot of times is um, we often look at this chapter out of context, and I guess that's the problem with a lot of scripture, isn't it? Uh, we look at one verse and we take it out of context, and we find another one that has the same word in it, and we take it out of context to work with the one that we just used. And in truth, possibly those two verses, that's the only word they have related, and they don't have anything related to it at all. And when we look at this chapter a lot of times, um, uh, you know, it's the love chapter, you know? And um, gosh, who isn't in favor of that, you know? Uh, but we read it sometimes, and we look at it, and we think, how beautiful is this chapter? And I'm not saying that it's not, but when, when I read this chapter and read it through again and a few more times, um, I see some things in here, and, and here's what I do. Okay, I try to read it, and then I try to read commentators, okay? Real theologians, you know, not like me, uh, that know what they're talking about, okay? And so I, I read it, and then I think, hmm, what is this? And I'll circle some words and I'll think about some words and I'll think about what he's trying to say and who he's saying it to and how he's saying it. Sometimes um, how you say something makes all the difference in the world. And I think the way he's saying something here is, is um, there's some sweetness to it. And yet there's quite a bit of bitterness to what he's saying here too. Okay? 
when I look at this text, what I see here is I see the Apostle Paul aiming his arrows straight at the heart of the Corinthian people, okay? And, um, and trying to get a message across to them that most of the time I don't think we see in this text. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to read it and, and, uh, and, and cover the whole chapter. So if you have your Bibles and you're able, uh, stand as we read 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the... Uh, for the Apostle Paul and the fact that you called him, that he answered the call, Father, that he came to you and that you gave him these gifts, the gift of prophecy and the gift of, of uh, understanding mysteries and the gift of knowledge so that he could write these things so that we could understand a little bit more, maybe a lot more, about how to relate to you and how to relate to others. Father, I pray that you will guide us through this text today. Um, speak to your people through your word and through your Holy Spirit. Speak to me through your word and your Holy Spirit. Father, help us to see the truth in this text. Help us then to apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul, you may be seated. The Apostle Paul, what a guy. I mean, you seriously, think about Paul and, um, and, and just probably a little guy. I mean, I imagine Paul, uh, you know, shorter than me, bald, maybe a little stumpy, uh, not, not real, I mean, not that I am, but not real impressive to look at, you know. Um, but I imagine the intellect and the intelligence in his, in his head. And I imagine how he can, um, he was brilliant. God gave him that. And then God gave him the ability to write things down in such a way that, um, that we could learn from them and, and live under these words. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. And I want you to notice that... Um, uh, that's kind of a change. Uh, in, in most of it, he, he's talking in, um, in third person plural. Now he's talking first person singular, okay? If I speak with the tongues of men, okay? He had been talking about other people. Um, do all have gifts of healings? He's not talking about himself. Now he's talking and he's using first person singular. Do I 
Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, the question that a lot of people are going to ask is, does he really think that highly of himself? Does he really think that he uh, speaks with the tongues of men and of angels? And the truth is, he probably did. You know, um, uh, he said that he himself did speak in tongues. And uh, but yet then he goes with <laughs> with uh, and, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith, does he really think that he understands all understands all mysteries and has all knowledge and has all this faith? And, and, and then he, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and he may have done that, and though I give my body to be burned. Now, here's the difficulty in, in understanding that that way, because that word that's uh, to be burned, if you look maybe in your notes, um, it may say, may have a note down there, that that could be translated, and even though I give my body so that I may boast, okay? And so those two words, burned and boast, apparently are very similar in the Greek, Okay. Now I tried to look them up and I couldn't find them and, and, and prove that, but that's what I've read in the commentators, that those two words are, are very similar. And so it's believed that the Apostle Paul here is talking more about boasting in the, in the idea that, he, um, that he's willing to suffer and to be whipped and to be persecuted so that he can boast in Christ, okay, rather than that he is actually being burned at the stake, all right? Now, I personally... I don't have any problem interpreting that burn, okay? But it fits better in the rest of the text and in what he's talked about to them already. Because you remember one of the problems they had in Corinth? They were proud. They were proud of their knowledge. They were proud of their uh, spiritual gifts. They were proud of all kinds of things. They were even proud at some extent of um, the fact that, that there was an incestuous man among them. And so he's dealing with that issue of pride, which isn't something that they should do, isn't the way that they ought to live. And so when I tell you that he's aiming his arrow straight at the heart of the, of the Corinthian church, of the people in the Corinthian church, he's getting to these things and he's trying to say to them, listen, and he's using himself as the example, though I speak with the tongues of men and have, and have angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And he's saying, listen, by putting himself in the center, so have you. If you speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and some are saying, I have the gift of tongues. I can speak in tongues. And he's telling them, be careful when you speak in tongues that there's not an interpreter. Guess what? It means nothing. And when he talks about it here, he's trying to say, use himself as the example so that they can see that if they have this gift, speaking in tongues, but they don't have love, they become like a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, um, I, I, I'm just wondering... What is a sounding brass and what is a clanging cymbal? Um, I'm not a musician, okay? And, um, and, nev and never will I be one, okay? But I, I can imagine that this sounding brass or clanging cymbal would be like me trying to play, I don't know, maybe even the tambourine. I got no clue, okay? Trying to play the drums, you know? Uh, it would sound terrible. It would be awful, okay? And basically, it's like, this is nothing. And then I wanted you to see that some people believe that this idea of a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, that these were uh, a part of the worship of the idols or the pagan gods of their day. 
that they had the, the sounding brass and the clanging cymbals. And maybe they sounded good. But what he's saying here is, if, if that's the interpretation you want to take, uh, if what he's saying here is, if you speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but you don't have love, then it's as bad as worshiping idols or false gods. What was the first and greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your with, with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love. Love. And if our whole purpose in, in and, and this was their purpose part of the time by speaking in tongues was to show everybody how wonderful they were and how spiritual they were. And he says, if that's all you're doing, then you're worshiping a false god, you're worshiping an idol. Okay, And then he goes on to the next one. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but have not love. He doesn't say, I'm like a sounding brass. He says, I am nothing. You remember what was going on in the Corinthian church? They were making themselves out to be something, to be better than everybody else, to be more important. They were, well, I worship. I mean, I follow Paul. I follow Peter. I follow uh, Apollos. I follow Jesus. That's what they were doing. They were trying to, there was the cliques among the group, among the church, and one group was trying to, to, um, to what's that word I'm looking for? To one-up the next one. They were trying to, to do just a little bit better than the next one, a little bit better than the one before, a little bit better than the one before. And, and he says, listen, you're nothing. If this is all you have, even if you have the gift of prophecy and you can, you can preach like... I don't know, like Jesus, and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge and have all the faith and you can move mountains, but you don't have love, you're nothing. Just sit back down. And then he says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body either to be burned or so that I may boast, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now remember why the Apostle Paul wanted to boast? Do you remember what he boasted in? He boasted in the cross of Christ, Jesus Christ. He boasted in the salvation of those who, to whom he preached. Those are the two things that he wanted to boast in. He didn't really care about boasting in who he was and what he did and all that kind of stuff. But he, he went through so much. Think about the hardships that the Apostle Paul went through. Shipwreck, uh, you know, beaten, what, three times, 39 lashes, uh, and, and, and imprisoned several times. He gave his body. He was willing to do that so that he could boast in the cross of Christ. And so I don't know which way, which way you want to interpret that. Okay, Some people would look at that as, though I give my body to be burned. I give my body in the one great sacrifice Okay, as a martyr to die for the cause of Christ. But I don't have love, then it profits me nothing. Okay, Either way you want to look at that, I think it fits better when you look at it as the idea of boasting and, and um, because of what we've seen with Paul in the past uh, in, in the text before this. So even though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Now the Apostle Paul is using himself here as the example and using himself as the example is a really good thing. Okay, Somebody taught me a long time ago um, that, that if I point my finger at you, I'm pointing a bunch of fingers back at me. Right? And I better do that. Okay? All right? And, and, it's, and, and see, here's the thing. 
Jesus died for you. He also died for me. I don't say that boasting. I say that because I needed him to die for me. There is nothing about me that is better than anything about you. In other words, I needed a Savior just as bad as you did. I can't say even worse because we all needed a Savior on the same level. All of us without a Savior, we're going to die and go to hell. And so when I preach, I often will say, you, me, us. Why? Because I'm no different. And the Apostle Paul was putting himself in here so that he could preach to the uh, Corinthian Christians about their great need. Their great need wasn't for spiritual gifts. He said they had that in abundance. Their great need wasn't for um, speaking in the tongues of men and of angels. It wasn't for the gift of prophecy or for understanding mysteries and to have a knowledge. It wasn't for faith. He said they had that. He's getting at the one thing that he doesn't see in that church, and that's love. He's pointing their fing- his fingers straight at them, pointing those arrows right at their heart. I'm going to let him fly here in just a minute. Though I bestow, and love, then he says, suffers long. Love is kind. Okay, so now, he's told them, told them that if you don't have this, even though you have all these things, then you're nobody. You're like you're worshiping a false god. You're, uh, you're a nothing, and you gain nothing from all of those things. People may look at you like you're special, but you gain nothing from all of those things. And now he starts talking about love. Love suffers long and is kind. Those two kind of go together. Um, and, and they're kind of, uh, you know, they work together in what they do. Love suffers long and isn't kind. Have you ever known anybody that was impatient but also kind? Kind of doesn't work, does it? Okay? If you are patient and yet you're kind, uh, they work together. Okay? Not so much with circumstances, but with people. You're patient with the people. Um, you're patient with, um, uh, with the way they live and what they do. And it doesn't mean you put up with their sin. You can be patient with them and, and talk to them about their sin to try to correct that uh, and still be patient, still be long-suffering, and still be kind. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not envy. Uh, doesn't have feelings against others because of what they have. You don't... Um, I don't really need to, dis- to define every one of these. Does not envy. I do want to talk about love. In the New Testament, and the Sunday School class heard this this morning, uh, in the Greek language, there are four words for love. Many of you have heard this. Okay, There's eros, and we interpret that one most of the time to be the erotic love, the sexual love that a man and a wife have for each other. There's also a more, um, it, it can be more broad than that, but that's the one we think of most of the time. Then there's sturge. Sturge is a family love, okay? Family love like what we have for uh, our children, like we have our, for parents and uh, aunts and uncles and uh, cousins and nephews and nieces and grandparents. Um, and, uh, it, you know, and so there's that love. And then there's the love phileo. Uh, and that's the love. Uh, that's brotherly love, Philadelphia, Phileo, city of brotherly love. Um, and uh, that's a love that that is a kind of, uh, what's the one I'm looking for? Um, I don't know, I, say, I don't want to say it's an emotional love, but it's a kind of love you would have for a really good friend, okay? And then there's the love that we're talking about here, and that's agape. 
And when Jesus told his disciples um, that the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't use eros, he didn't use sturge, he didn't use phileo, he used agape to tell them how they were supposed to love each other. And this is the kind of love we're looking at here. Um, and probably, and part of the problem that we have a lot of time is we think love is an emotional thing. Oh man, I just fell in love. I'm in love. It's like, you know, and, and, and I shared with the class this morning, love is not like that. We talked about some of the sacrifices that we make. I even asked them to raise their hand and to share some of the sacrifices that they make to show their love for somebody else. Because see, that's what agape is. Agape is this kind of love that you give to somebody. It's not an emotional kind of love. It's a love that you have um, where you are willing to do for somebody. Uh, agape is a verb. It's an action word. And when Jesus, when God commands us to love our enemies, you know why we can do that? You can't command an emotion to come for your enemies, can you? You can't work up some nice, sweet, kind emotion for your enemies, can you? But you can do good things for them, can't you? You can make yourself do something for them. That's why agape is the love that God's talking about and that Paul's talking about here, because it is a verb. I told a story. I, I read a, a book a uh, long time ago. It was for um, youth leaders, and it was talking about love. And... Uh, this man was a young married couple, and his, he and his wife had a baby and a young one. And um, in the middle of the night, he would get up to go uh, rock that baby back to sleep or to give that baby his bottle or her bottle. And often in the middle of the night, in the dark, he would stub his toe on the bed or on the dresser. And at that moment, he said, my heart was so full of love for my wife and my baby that I just almost had to cry out with rejoicing. Okay? Do you think that's what he felt? And he was trying to get a point across when he said that. And he said, then I would walk into the baby's room, the, the boy's room, and, and I would step on the Lego that was left out on the floor. And my love for my child even grew greater that minute. And I had this great swelling of emotion for my child. And you're going, that guy's nuts. But what he said was absolutely true. Because as he was getting up, he stubbed his toe and he kept going. What he was showing in that was great love for both his wife and for his children. And when he stepped on that Lego and hurt his toe or his foot, stepping on that Lego and he kept going and said, forget this, I'm going back to bed. She can get up and take care of the baby. She wa he was showing love, agape love for his wife and for his children when he did that. And when the Apostle Paul goes through all of these things here, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. When he goes through all of that, this is the love that he's talking about. This is the love that he's trying to get across to these people that they don't have for each other. They may have it for themselves. Oh, I'm willing to sacrifice so I can do this for me. But, you know, and, and we look at these things. Love suffers long and is kind. Do you, I, I'm thinking that I'm looking at this church in Corinth and I'm going, no, that's not them. They didn't suffer long. They weren't kind, not to each other. They wanted them to be kind, you know, I want you to be kind to me, but I don't want to be kind to you. I want you to have patience with me, but I don't want to have to have patience with you. 
That, that seems to be the attitude from what we've been reading in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 12. And then, does not envy. Think about what they were talking about. Every time they lifted themselves up and they wanted to, to talk about the spiritual gifts, man, I wish I had that spiritual gift. Boy, people would really love me if I had that spiritual gift. They'd look up to me if I had that spiritual gift. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Man, I'm just special. Everybody should look at me, you know? I mean, and that's what he's saying. They, and that's what they were doing. And he's saying love's not like that. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. And I just gave you a picture of that. Love does not behave rudely. Well, you've seen pictures of that. You know what that's about. But there's other things to that. There's more to that word than just being rude and being um, and not having any manners. This word is a word that is used to talk about um, immoral sexual behavior. It's about, and, and, and in this text, it could be about the father who doesn't let his, little, let his daughter get married um, or, about, uh, or about the incestuous relationship. It could be about all kinds of those things. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. Remember what he said? Don't just seek your own, but seek the good of others also. Always look to take care of others. You know the problem with that? And it leaves us vulnerable, doesn't it? If all I'm going to do is take care of you, who's going to take care of me? What, what if, God, what if I take care of them and nobody takes care of me? What if I find myself in need and I've been taking care of everybody else and now I'm in trouble? Now I need help. Who's going to take care of me? That's the problem with that. Guess what? That was the problem in the church in Corinth. They were all worried about taking care of themselves instead of helping to take care of each other. And if, if everybody was taking care of each other, nobody would have to do as much to take care of themselves. And everybody would be well cared for. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek his own. Is not provoked. Is not easily angered is what some say. How many of you, I won't ask, don't raise your hand, okay? Seriously. How many of you have ever had a problem with anger? See, I know that difficulty, okay? And, um, and often when you have a problem with anger, it makes you, it, it, you don't show love towards others. You're angry because why? We didn't get our way. Things didn't go the way I wanted them to because they moved the clocks ahead one hour, you know? I'm going to be okay. And by the way, your jokes on Facebook are fine. Just keep them up. It's okay. I, I can deal with it. Um, life's going to go on even if they move the clocks. Ahead one hour, that's fine. That'll be okay. God is great. God is mighty. Even if the clock says 1130, it's not. It's really only 1030. Doesn't matter what the clock says, okay? I can deal with it. I can handle it. I'm mature most of the time. It's not provoked, not easily angered. We can, and you know what? As we, as we grow and as we age, and I wish I was, um, I, I wish... I wish at 15 I would have known all this and been this way. But the little things we get angry over, they don't really matter that much, do they? They're not really that big a deal. And when we get angry over something and towards somebody, and we ruin or mess up a relationship with them, 
And then five years later or even a week later or a day later, we find out that really wasn't that big a deal. Man, I sure made a fool of myself. And we mess up all kinds of things. Love is not easily angered, is not provoked, does not see or, or thinks no evil. You think about it. And some of these are difficult to, to really look at, and some of the words that they're using there are used only in this uh, chapter in the New Testament. Some of them, there's, there's uh, related words that are used somewhere else, but most of the time, a lot of them are used right only here, okay? Um, and um, thinks no evil. We don't want evil to happen to somebody else. You know, what's one of the best ways for, <laughs> best ways, what's one of the ways for somebody to move up? It's for somebody to move down. <laughs> you think evil. You hope they get fired so you can move up. That's not what love does, okay? You pray for the best for them. Another way, by the way, for you to move up is for them to move up further and you can move up to their position, <laughs> okay? So if you're praying for them to move up to get better, maybe they'll pull you with them. Love thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. What we've noticed here is is. Love suffers long and is kind. Those two are positive. We're looking at the positive aspect of both of those. The next uh, several, I think it's eight, are negative. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity. That's eight, but rejoices in the truth. Starts out with the two that are on the positive side, ends in the one, rejoices in the truth. He says love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And, and you can look at that as um, always bears, always believes, always hopes, always endures. And, and, and some people say there's a great difference in the way that's translated. But if you love, you're willing to put up with a lot, hopefully with all things, hopefully with whatever's happening. You think about Jesus, and um, I mean, we could start with Paul, but let's just go straight to Jesus. What did he put up with? I think what he said to the disciples one time, how long must I put up with you, you know? Um, and then he put up with being put on the cross. I, I don't know that any of us would ever, ever match that. Bears all things, believes all things, believes in the good hopes all things, endures all things. And this is another reason, this word here, endures all things, is another reason why it looks like this uh, phrase in three is I give my body so that I may boast. He's willing to endure that pain and willing to endure that struggle, willing to endure that affliction and that persecution because of the love that he has for, for God, for Christ, and for his people. Eight. Love never fails, never fails. In other words, it's never ending. Love doesn't stop. It's not, think about it. If you look at all these other things in here, you think it, it says love never, never fails. Whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. What are we not going to need when we get to heaven? We're not going to need prophecies, are we? No, we're not going to need to solve mysteries and have all knowledge, are we? We get there, we're going to know what we need to know. Okay, all of the preaching and all the prophecies that, we, that we've heard, guess what? They're fulfilled when we're there. So that's going to cease. That's going to stop. We're not going to need tongues, are we? Because we're all going to speak one language, right? But what are we going to need? 
And what's still going to be there? Love. Love. Because that's where God is. Because he is love. So all those are going to be gone, but love's never going to cease. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But that when that which is perfect or complete has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So those things that are done in part, prophecy, all those things, they'll be done away with. You won't need them anymore. But that which is complete or perfect, love, guess what? When it comes, all that's going to be gone. And here's another verse, verse 11. And I, I read this again last night, and I thought, man, I wonder if Paul would have said this to them if he'd been in person, been there with them. He says, when I was a child, remember what he did in verses uh, uh, 1, 2, and 3? And although I have the gift, although I, though I, even if I, now he goes back to that again. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. What do you think he's saying to them? I think what he's saying to them is, listen, grow up. Grow up. You're still thinking like children. You're understanding like children. You're speaking like children. Grow up. Put away childish things. I, I heard a, a little one on my bus the other day <coughs> sitting with his sister, and his sister had a toy out of her backpack, and he looked at her and he said, you have to share. Share. You have to share. Give it to me. And I'm going, that's pretty selfish. Not her. Him. You have to share what you have with me, otherwise you're selfish. Hmm, interesting. And I think that's kind of the childish thinking that the Corinthians had here. Putting everything on, uh, putting the onus and the uh, responsibility on everybody else to be who they ought to be and to take care of them so that they didn't have to take care of anybody else. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Love. And he'll go on in the next chapter to talk about love some more. Love. Love is agape love, anyway is a love that looks out for the needs and for the interests of other people. It's a love that often, often, hopefully when we have the chance, often, every time, ignores our own needs and takes care of somebody else. My wife is sick. I didn't make her sick. It's not my fault. Yesterday we were talking and she said, she cooked me supper, and she could hardly bear to look at the supper as she cooked it. She couldn't, couldn't even look at the food. She put it in the oven and baked it and, 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 and heated it up for me. And I said, I didn't ask you to do that. She said, no, but I feel guilty because you don't know how to take care of yourself. <laughs> so I have to do it for you. I said, Kathy, you, you need to feel guilty. That's the first thing you need to do when you get sick. Uh, Tongue-in-cheek. Okay? No. Love. 
I'm not going to starve to death if I have to fix a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'd probably put honey on it instead of jelly, but nevertheless, I can do those kind of things. But because she knew it was supper time and she knew I was hungry and Timothy wasn't there to cook for me, she cooked my supper for me. Love. That's agape. That's self-sacrificial. I really hope she's getting better. Not because I expect her to cook for me when she's sick, but I just want her to feel better. So the question is, you see, I look out here, and, and, and boy, I don't have any arrows. Apostle Paul was aiming his arrows straight at the people of Corinth. I don't have arrows like that to aim. I know we could all grow in our love for God, for Christ, for each other. But when I look out at this congregation now, I see love for each other. I do. I see people willing to do things that they wouldn't normally do because they love each other. Willing to do tasks that are difficult and sometimes confusing and require time and effort. And I commend you for that. And yet, because this is a Baptist church, we have to have an invitation. And in order to do it properly, you've got to ask a couple of questions. One, what is God saying to you today? Is there something that he's speaking to you about? It might be that you know that, that, that you need to grow in this area. Now, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I know I do. Okay? Sometimes it's difficult to love, agape love, do when God is calling me to do. It might be that, that God's just calling you to become a member of Irvine Avenue Baptist Church. It might be that, that you're not yet a believer, that you've not trusted or made public your belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. So in just a minute, I'm going to come down to the front. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be ready to receive anybody who needs to make any of these decisions. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your love. God, I know that your love is perfect and that my love is far from it. Father, I pray that as, as we grow, as we grow in you, God, that you will bring about greater love in us. Help us to not just love with sturge and phileo, but help us also to love with agape love that love that you had for us when you died on the cross to give us eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.